A rim shot is when a drummer hits both the head and the rim of a snare drum at the same time. It gives the hit an extra pop that can really cut through a mix. Rim shots join cross-stick, rim knocks, and flams as exhibits in the case for the snare drum being the most versatile drum in the kit. Strong Songs, a podcast about music. I'm your host, Kirk Hamilton, and as always, I'm so glad that you've joined me to talk about music with rim shots, music with cross stick, and sometimes music where they just hit the snare head directly. Strong Songs is entirely supported by listeners, and if you go to patreon.com slash strong songs, one of those supportive listeners could be you. Becoming a patron will get you access to behind-the-scenes videos and blog posts, as well as a new perk, access to a patrons-only Discord server where you can talk about music with other fans of the show. I'm so excited for this episode because we're finally going to be talking about an artist that I have been excitedly telling people about since before Strong Songs was even a twinkle in my eye. She's a dynamic and fascinating musician, and the song that I picked rules. So let's tighten the snares, drop the stick, and hit this thing. make you feel happy, music can make you feel sad, it can make you feel angry or excited or heartbroken, but while music is great at inspiring emotions, I find that just as often, music is kind of more of an amplifier. It's great at taking a feeling that you already have and then just juicing it up a few notches. We've all had days where we feel sad and we decide to just lean into it, to sit down with a sad song, drown our sorrow, pour our feelings into the music, and hopefully afterward, feel a little bit better. I am not here to talk about a sad song today on this episode of Strong Songs. We're going to be doing anything but because I'm feeling pretty good lately in spite of everything. In spite of the pain of the last year or several years, the many things that can still bum me out on a given day, I'm still feeling a sort of optimism. And it's a weird thing to feel. It's a complicated feeling. And I know I'm not alone in feeling that optimism and also feeling conflicted about it. It's been a weird, tough year. But lately, I have been feeling that optimism. And it's real. It's based on real facts. Is based on things that make me think that the next 365 days are going to be better, more joyful, and more connected than the last 365. You know what that makes me want to do? That makes me want to listen to some music that matches my mood. Every now and then I'll come across an artist that makes me say, wow, okay, wait, okay, I'm listening. The musician at the center of this episode is just such an artist, someone who immediately knocked me out after I heard her first record right around 10 years ago. Music can be transformative in so many profound and complex ways, but sometimes the best course of action is to just indulge in the straightforward pleasures of a great pop song, and on this episode of Strong Songs, that's just what we're going to do. Here, after 12 months of fear and worry, bottled up emotionally and cut off from one another, it feels like the end is in sight, but joy can still feel like a risky emotion. We need someone to open up our hearts to climb in and pull that joy out, and for that task, I nominate the one and only Kimbra. Like I said, I've been excited to talk about Kimber's music on Strong Songs since before Strong Songs was Strong Songs. I love her songs so much, and after spending a week trying to pick the song that captures my current state of mind, I had to go with her 2011 barn burner, Cameo Lover.
Kimbra, whose full name is Kimbra Johnson, is a New Zealander singer-songwriter who first crashed onto the scene at the start of the 2010s. Cameo Lover is a single off of her 2011 debut album, Vows. It's a super great album that everybody should listen to, but I'm guessing that the first time that a lot of you heard her, it probably wasn't on a song from Vows, and in fact, it wasn't on a Kimbra song at all. A lot of people first heard Kimbra in a guest spot on Somebody That I Used To Know, a 2011 hit single from the Australian singer-songwriter Gautier, which itself is a very strong song and definitely one I've considered talking about on this show. song mainly memorable for that incredible chorus, but there's a lot of subtle stuff going on as well, a lot of contrast with the bigness of that chorus. Kimber is actually one of the more understated aspects of the song. She sings a verse that's kind of like a low-key counterpoint to Gautier's wailing vocals on that chorus. Before I heard this song, my friend Dan, to his eternal credit, hipped me to vows before I'd really listened to the Gautier tune all the way through, and I remember kind of thinking, whoa, they got Kimber on this song and this is all she gets to do? Nowadays, I actually appreciate what Gautier was doing by having her play such a restrained role. It's an essential part of the song. She sounds really great on it. She totally killed her performance. And actually, it's a great verse that tells its own little story. It starts really small, but it ends with that single line, the title of the song. That's where she finally unleashes her voice, which is a smart way to use how dynamic she sounds when she sings. It's just a trip when you get to know a musician in one context and then you realize that a huge number of people have only heard her doing one small part on this one song written by somebody else. This is Settle Down, the opening track on Vows. It's a pretty weird way to start an album, all looped singing, hand claps, and odd vocal phrasing. Kimber's a fan of live looping. She does all sorts of that live. She's really great live. I've seen her once. She layers her voice in real time and builds these distinctive soundscapes entirely out of herself. Vows is this mix of pop and funk and jazz. It's kind of hard to categorize. There's some electronic music in there as well. Some really groovy stuff with some sort of jazz energy. live Nina Simone cover that she does of Plain Gold Ring where she uses looping. The whole thing is live. It's amazing. Plain 
There's the song Sally I Can See You, which I almost made this episode about. It's one of my favorite Kimber songs. It's just a really, really good tune. There's a heartbeat in the distance. A flicker of light ahead. I've been down the street where they offer the deals. I shake your hands with the man who says he'll give me my dreams. Reaching out for a taste from my head to feet. So it's a great album. I hope that those of you who haven't yet heard it, go check it out after listening to this episode. Kimber's done some really cool stuff more recently, too. She's released a few follow-ups that definitely show her sound changing and evolving. As much as I like Vows, it's also been really cool to watch her grow as an artist and explore new sounds and new ways of singing. She'll also turn up doing a guest spot here and there. She's actually on my favorite song from Jacob Collier's most recent record. There's a pressing question on your lips, on your hips, on your lips. you got some kind of question. Have you got something to say? So, you know, that's a, a pretty good song. <laughs> she's got such a sound, such a defined musical identity. She's a super creative songwriter as well. And that all started 10 years ago with Vows, which brings us back to 2011 and Cameo Lover. I got high hopes, baby, but all you do is take me down to Some vital stats up top. Cameo Lover was written and produced by Kimbra. It was mixed by Michael Taylor. It's the third track on 2011's Vows. The song is about someone who's closed down emotionally, and the narrator is making this plea to let her in. Open up your heart and let me pull you out. It fits with the subject matter that it's one of those songs that just kind of carries you along as you listen to it, and it wasn't until I really sat down and learned it that I realized just how far you travel from the beginning of this song to the end. The song really goes places, but it's, it's not super obvious when it's happening, you just kind of end up in a very different place than you started. It's a great study in how to develop a groove, how to steadily build an arrangement by complexifying it over time, and how to use bridge harmony to completely change the back half of a song. I actually can't think of too many songs that shift halfway through as dramatically as Cameo Lover. It is a really cool trick that I'm surprised I don't see more often. So let's get started. This song wastes no time getting going. It's just a quick four on the floor, and then Kimbra takes us away. This is nonstop, baby, you got me going crazy, you're heavier than I am, but I don't want no other, you my cameo lover, only here for a moment or two, stay inside So this opening verse is the most stripped down this groove ever is, but it establishes a few crucial elements of the way this song's pocket works, the way it kind of feels that pulse. We're at around 126 beats per minute in the key of C-sharp major, though while that may be the one chord, the song actually rarely lands there. And side note, I know that the last episode that I did on Kate Bush's Wuthering Heights was also in C-sharp and also didn't stick around the one chord very long. I swear it's a total coincidence. I actually just randomly decided to do this song, uh, Cameo Lover, fairly recently. It just happens to be that both songs are in the same key and both songs don't resolve to one very often. This is nonstop, baby. 
verse bounces back and forth between two chords, a G-sharp minor and an F-sharp major, specifically an F-sharp major 7th, which has that 7th on top, 1, 3, 5, and 7, which is a richer sound, kind of implies more harmonic complexity than an F-sharp major would. If you think of the verses being an F-sharp, it's a kind of a jazzy sound. It starts on 2 minor, then it goes to 1. I really like starting on 2 minor. I think it was in the David Bowie episode that I talked about this. It's more of a songbooky kind of a thing, and some of those songbook jazz harmonies kind of bubbled up through disco, made their way into more modern music, and Kimbra is kind of channeling that sound with Cameo Lover. The fuller version of that chord progression would be to go from 2 G-sharp minor to 5 C-sharp 7 to 1. That's called a 2-5-1. That's a really common jazz chord progression. She doesn't quite do that, but by starting on 2 and then going to 1, by kind of channeling that tonality, she's implying it there, and she uses some 2-5 later in the song as well, and that gives the whole thing a really nice, rich sound right off the bat. This is nonstop, baby. Her melody also emphasizes the richness of that harmony. She starts on a D-sharp, the fifth of the G-sharp minor, but then she ends on an F, which is the major seventh of the F-sharp major seventh chord, so she's really emphasizing that part of the chord, the fact that it's a major seventh. This is This verse is really all about the groove though, that's the main event. There's a couple of interesting things going on with this groove. It's sort of setting a template for where things are going to go from here. It's kind of organized around this syncopated dance rhythm. Bump, bump, bump. Bump, bump, bump. The kick drum, the guitar, and the bass are all playing that rhythm together. The bass is being picked, so it's really percussive, and that adds a kind of a percussive element to this. Really, the guitar, the bass, and the kick drum are all playing a drum function here. That hit, bum bum bum, is offsetting a pop in the snare drum, so really standard backbeat. This sounds like a drum machine to me, maybe an 808, something like that, giving just a really straightforward, kind of a small snare sound. The smallness of the snare sound is important because of what it's setting up for a few beats down the road. So here's me playing the first four bars of that verse groove with just the bass, guitar, and drums. And uh, I'm going to leave one thing out, then we'll listen to the recording and I'm going to see if you can notice what it is that I left out. You know, it's perfectly grooving for a recreation, but let's listen to the main recording and pay attention for something in the drums that happens in that fourth bar. This is nonstop, baby, you got me going crazy. So there's this BAM on beat 4 of the 4th bar of every phrase, she's got a second snare sound dropping there with this really big reverb on it. So that first snare sound we heard was intended as kind of a fake out, it's this little poppy backbeat that's actually setting up the contrast with this massive verbed out snare that drops every 4th bar. It's a neat trick. It establishes this sort of meta groove on top of the main pulse of the song. Every fourth bar, there's this huge snare hit on four. It feels like an exclamation point at the end of each phrase. It adds all this energy to the song. It's like a little blast of emphasis each time Kimbra stops singing. So you get the pulse, you kind of feel it. And then. <laughs>
Now, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know I talk a lot about thump, pop, and sizzle, the three components that make up most grooves. The thump in Cameo Lover is pretty clear. It's the kick drum, the bass and guitar are kind of in there too. The pop is clear as well. It's the snare, and then a kind of a mega pop happens there on the floor when the second snare sound comes in. But as for the sizzle, that extra subdivision that's usually performed by a hi-hat, a cymbal, or a shaker, something like that, that's actually not there. Not all grooves have all three of those elements, and the beginning of Cameo Lover is a great example of removing one, in this case the sizzle, to create space and contrast, in this case a contrast with what the groove will pretty quickly morph into. Kind of a lot of space in there. As for the harmony, those chords we talked about, that's really just coming from this nice synth that's sort of floating above that groove like a cloud. Kind of a layered saw wave thing, thanks to my friend Matthew for helping me find this sound. Put the synth on top of the groove I created, along with that big hit on 4, and you get this. Like I said, the synth is kind of above the groove, but it does contribute to the groove as well. Each chord is played twice. The first time that it's played, it's right on the downbeat, but the second is an anticipated hit on the upbeat, so it's like... It does an upbeat hit. That gives just a little bit more balance to the whole thing, and it's a subtle thing, but there's a lot of little subtle things like that in this song that contribute to the overall pulse. You hear it? So like so many songs that we've talked about on Strong Songs, just kind of a little bit more going on, even at the very beginning of the song than you might think. So let's listen again from the top, and I'll keep going this time, and just open your ears for all of that. Pay attention to how the bass and the guitar are joining the percussion section, emphasizing that rhythmic thump underneath, how it's offset by that small electronic snare drum, and then much more dramatically by the huge snare hit on the fourth beat of every fourth bar. Catch that synth, how it's floating above the beat but using syncopation to emphasize it, and of course, ride the wave along with Kimbra's vocal delivery on top, that gentle, propulsive melody emphasizing the major seventh over and over again as she goes, and after those first eight bars, listen for how she immediately complexifies the arrangement and the groove as she heads into the pre-chorus. Alright, here we go. This is second phrase, she adds a few new things to the mix. For starters, there's some ear candy that's introduced here. There's a counter melody that starts over on the right on the bells, and then it repeats and it's joined by a synth over on the left. Now listen for that synth on the left. that kind of thing. And there's room for it in the mix, partly because there's no sizzle, there's room for something extra, and that little counter melody fits nicely in the space. Kimbra's main melody also gets a lot more complicated here. The first time through, she kind of really emphasized the F. She just sat there on the F. The second half of that phrase just sat on that one note for most of the phrase. second half of the verse, her melody is a whole lot busier. We go from this 
to this. notes way more rhythmic action it's an early example of how kimber's melodies feel semi-improvised at times she's got such command of the harmony of the song because she wrote it and she reshapes and molds her melodies as she goes it's a cool way to approach writing music as a singer since you're the one interpreting the melody you're free to reinterpret it and be as loose with it as you want Alright, let's keep moving and get to the pre-chorus. So that pre-chorus has an interesting role to perform. As you can hear, the groove totally breaks apart at the chorus and it goes into this stop time kind of a groove. It's actually a very famous, iconic stop time kind of a groove that we'll talk about in a minute. But in order to transition to that, the pre-chorus has to kind of put on the brakes. It like dips the song down into that chorus. It's like a gear shift. You can kind of imagine the pre-chorus is uh, pushing in the clutch. So harmonically, the pre-chorus is a big turnaround to F sharp, which is the first chord of the chorus. She's getting there by doing some fairly advanced harmonic tricks, as well as some nice textural stuff. First, the texture. The main harmony is played by strings here, which is a much smoother sound even than that synth, which was pretty smooth. But the synth that was playing the chords on the verse was still a little bit more punchy than the strings, which are just like taffy. The bass is replaced by a kind of a steady sub-bass sound that only plays here during the pre-chorus, and that adds to that sort of taffy-like stretching feeling on the low end. It mixes really well with the strings. The harmony, or the specific chords that she's playing, is where it gets cool, at least for a jazz nerd like me. So like I said, she's targeting F-sharp for the chorus. This whole thing is a big turnaround that wouldn't be out of place in a jazz standard. She starts on a D-sharp major chord, then goes down to A-sharp minor 7, then down a half-step to A7, then down another half-step to G-sharp minor 7, up to C-sharp 7, and then lands on F-sharp for the chorus. If you put that in terms of the target chord, in this case F-sharp, that's a classic jazz turnaround called a 3-6-2-5-1. The most basic version of that would be a little bit different than what she's doing. She's actually doing something cool. In place of the sixth chord, which would be a D-sharp 7, she's doing what's called a tritone substitution. It's a neat little harmonic flip where you swap in a dominant seventh chord, a tritone, away from the original chord, you get the same harmonic function with a very different overall sound. That sounds complicated, it is kind of complicated, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Basically, you're making the 7th the 3rd, and the 3rd the 7th. The point is, instead of going from A-sharp up to D-sharp, she goes from A-sharp down a half-step to A7, then down another half-step to G-sharp minor 7th. A regular 3-6-2-5-1 to F-sharp would sound like this. Doing a tritone sub on the 6, you get a more chromatic sound, which is what Kimber does. That sounds like this. Listen to the recording and pay attention for that. Listen to how the bass starts to move down chromatically at the second chord. To emphasize that, I'll play along with the piano so you can hear that chromatic motion. Alright, here we go. We've all got a break. 
sophisticated chord progression, but she's not being flashy about it. She's moving chromatically with a purpose to emphasize that stretchy, downshifting feeling. Her lyrics even match that. We've all got to break down. Let me come and break down there with you. It's a concerted effort to move things downward into the new groove on the chorus. That final bar, that sforzando, or maybe it's a forte piano, the way the strings and her vocals sort of build into that downbeat is really cool. That sense of build is helped along by another little bit of ear candy that you might have heard. It's also a common studio trick. It's a cymbal swell, which I usually think of as a reverse cymbal swell. Listen for it. Just listen to that one bar and listen for it building into that chorus downbeat. It's this sort of shh kind of a sound. It's a really common way to do a transition build in modern music production. You start with a cymbal hit, which sounds like this. Then you take that audio file and you just reverse it, which gives it a completely different character. The cymbal's natural decay as it rings out becomes a crescendo in reverse, and it moves backward toward the initial impact of the drumstick. It's a trick that you've probably heard a million times, even if you didn't realize that's what you were hearing. So with all of that in your ear, let's rewind a bit to the second half of the verse and listen for everything we've picked out so far. The rangy new melody that Kimbra's singing, the counter melodies she introduces on the bells, and then the synth over there on the left, that stretchy pre-chorus that moves through that hip chromatic chord progression as the sub-bass and the strings move downward in a downshift with a reverse cymbal swell setting up the grand downbeat on into the chorus. Here we go. There's a lot going on on that chorus. The groove totally changes, then it changes again. The key center changes, the melody changes. The song really comes into its own. Let's start with the harmony, which is pretty straightforward. The chorus is still centering around an F-sharp major chord, which is the four chord in the key of C-sharp major. Even though there's been a lot of F-sharp, I promise we're in the key of C-sharp major. We're finally going to get there on the chorus. So the chorus is where we do land on a C-sharp, but it's only one time, and it's only on the second phrase. On the first phrase, the chords go back and forth between that four chord, F sharp major, and D sharp, the two minor. It does that twice, F sharp, then down to D sharp minor, and then it does this walk up that's the key, it's like the heart of this whole song. It goes to D sharp minor, then up to F minor, then up a half step to F sharp major, and then up to G sharp. That walk-up is a super crucial part of the chorus. It's where the song gets most of its energy, in large part due to the way that that motion contrasts with the melody. 
which we'll talk about in a minute. The second phrase of the chorus harmonically is largely the same. It's going from F sharp to D sharp minor, though the bass pedals in F sharp underneath, goes back to F sharp, and then it finally resolves to C sharp for a bar before it repeats the walk up again. And this time, after it gets up to that A flat, it kind of goes up the walk up, and then it resolves to a B flat minor, so it kind of just keeps going up one more step to B flat minor. So I'm sure you've also noticed how dramatically the song's groove changes here at the first chorus. It goes into this halftime beat that opens things way up. It's this boom, 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 ka, boom, 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 ka. That kind of a thing. It's so theatrical, it stops the pulse cold, and it really clearly establishes that we are in a new part of the song. Now that is actually a storied groove, and here Kimber is paying tribute to one of the most iconic pop songs ever recorded, the Ronettes' 1963 hit, Be My Baby. So it's pretty easy to hear. Kimber is just a set of castanets away from a full quote. She's definitely consciously channeling this kind of old-school pop energy here at the start of the chorus. It's funny, I actually recently answered a Q&A question about this same groove and learned in the process that Beach Boys leader Brian Wilson has long cited Be My Baby, incidentally co-written by legendary producer Phil Spector, as his favorite song of all time. Not a bad legacy for the Ronettes. So Kimbra is paying tribute to the greats here at the chorus of Cameo Lover. She also develops the groove in a similar way to the Ronettes. She starts with this halftime thing, but then halfway through the chorus, she transitions back to the song's main tempo with a much more high-energy kind of a groove. The second groove is another iconic kind of a groove. It's built around hitting all four downbeats on the snare drum with the kick drum filling in the upbeats. I think of it as sort of a pop forward thing. It kind of flips the traditional roles of the snare and the kick drum, makes the primary driving pulse come from those snare downbeats with the thumpy kick just jumping in more as an accent. This is also where we finally get a sizzle in the form of a tambourine which plays steady eight notes to fill things in. The bass and the piano are playing a pretty steady groove. The bass is sort of emphasizing the busier energy while the piano plays steady chords. But in the climb in the second half of the phrase, the bass does something really cool. First it plays the root of the chord and then it answers the root with two higher notes. So first on the D sharp we get this and then the response. And then we move up a step and get this and then this and then finally on the G sharp chord we get this. So the chord progression is moving up, but the bass response notes move down, which creates a nice bit of tension and contrary motion, like we're climbing up the stairs, and then down, and then a bit up more, and then down. It's great writing. Put the drums in there, and you've got a really driving groove.
so that just leaves the melody, which surfs perfectly on top of all that groove and harmony. Let's back up to the start of the chorus and listen to what Kimber is singing. Melody is really what ties this all together. That main melody is this kind of staccato line. Every day's like talking in your sleep, which is then echoed by a counter melody in the pizzicato strings. She sings a similar phrase the second time, though she goes up on the word dreams. Love is like a silhouette in dreams. And then the strings echo her again. Listen to her do it and pay attention to the interplay between her melody and the response from those pizzicato strings. Every day's like talking in your sleep. So after those two staccato phrases, she shifts gears in the melody and opens up as she sings, open up your heart, open up your heart. The articulation is longer and she stays put on just two notes. That really increases the tension in this section so much more exciting because she sings it this way. The static melody that she's singing is in direct contrast with the harmony, which is doing that ascent. If you remember, that's where the chords start climbing. So on its own, the melody sounds like this. But put the harmony under it and you get this. You can feel the two things rubbing against one another. The harmony is like, come on, come up with us. And the melody is like, no, 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 I'm staying put. It's just total pro-level songwriting, the way the harmony moves up while the bass does those two descending notes as a response, how the melody stays put and resists the upward climb of the harmony, the way the drum pulse pushes things forward by emphasizing the one. It's so good. So, with all of that in your ear, let's listen to the whole first chorus and pay attention to everything that we've talked about, that halftime Ronette's groove, which leaves space for both Kimbra's tight melody and the equally tight counter melody from the strings, then the shift halfway through to that pop forward snare quarter note groove, moving into the ascent for a second time, the bass responding to each upward movement with those notes that move downward, the vocals resisting the push again, and a final dramatic resolution to B flat minor. Years on, here we go. second verse is super groovy. I'm going to move us kind of quickly through it since it's structurally the same as the first verse, but she does introduce some really nice new parts that set it apart from the first verse. First of all, I love the way she sets this verse up, just the way she sings, I got, I got. It's so small and punchy, it just sets up the downbeat so perfectly. I got high hopes, baby, but all you do is take me down to So you probably already heard some new parts happening there. First, there's the bass, which in addition to doubling that dun-dun-dun the way that it did on the first verse, is also filling in the space after that figure, this time with a second funky little arpeggio. Got high hopes, baby, but all you do 
the tambourine is still in as well. It was introduced in the chorus, and it stays in for this second verse, so the groove is no longer sizzleless. That gives the groove a more consistent pulse. High hopes, baby, but all you do is take me down to depths that I never knew. One instrument from the first verse is now completely missing. The synth has been replaced with backup vocals, which are performing the same role, singing the harmonies in that slightly syncopated rhythm, but instead of hearing it on a synth like we do in the first verse. This is We're hearing duplicates of Kimbra singing the same chords as backup vocals. The last two elements of the second verse are a little guitar melody that comes in on the left at the end of each phrase, which is joined by this sparkly piano glissando downward that lines up with that big reverb snare hit that's on beat four of each fourth bar. Some elements of the first person add some really cool backup vocals. <laughs> then it's time to set up the second chorus. She approaches the second pre-chorus similarly to how she approaches the second verse. It's largely the same, but it does have one new element. There's this cool backup vocal counter melody that stretches around on top of the arrangement above the strings. It's this very nasal, it's like, kind of a thing with all the backup vocals kind of EQ'd. So they're just very tight in this little tiny place, sort of stretching around together. Listen to that second pre-chorus again and keep your ears open for that new vocal part. And then we'll move on into the second chorus. The second chorus skips over the Ronettes breakdown and gets right to that pop forward groove, and then the second time through the chorus, something interesting happens with the vocals. Listen for it. So at this point, Kimra is multi-tracking herself a bunch of times. There's a whole choir of Kimbra's singing. But the first time through this second chorus, her voice is pretty powerful in the middle of the mix. It feels very centered. The second time through, she lightens it ever so slightly, and it's being really clearly doubled. That causes the melody to become just a bit lighter and more diffuse. very subtle, so let me zoom in a bit more. Here's how it sounds on the first half. And here's the second. It's a slight shift in vocal tone that second time through, and it sets the second half of the chorus apart from the first, and it also sets up the slightly different vocal sound that Kimber gets on the bridge. So this bridge, it's almost a misnomer to call it a bridge. Like in a traditional pop song, the eight bars that you just heard would be the bridge. And then we go back to the chorus and kind of repeat that and take the song out. 
Cameo Lover does technically do that. Like, there's a bridge which you just listened to, and then she returns to the chorus and she repeats it a bunch of times to the end of the song. But each time Kimber sings the chorus after the bridge, it's different. She actually reimagines the chorus four different ways, each one different from the last. The song's tectonic plates shift and then shift and then shift again, leaving the listener so off balance that you kind of just have to surrender to it and let the song carry you along to the finale. You start on a bridge and then you realize, wait, I'm not on a bridge anymore. I'm on land, but the land is moving and it just moved again. And oh my God, the land just keeps moving. Let's start with the bridge, which is a proper eight-bar bridge. It kicks off with Kimber in full 60s girl group mode. She's channeling the Supremes here as she commands the stubborn listener, open up your heart to me, as the backup vocalists provide the requisite, ah, 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 pretty much stayed the same. It's still that pop forward driving thing with the tambourine. Harmonically, we're just going between the two and the five in the key of C sharp. So that's a D sharp minor, just kind of pounding on that D sharp minor up to G sharp seven. That happens again, but then everything just elevates. The vocals climb higher, the chords move up a step, F minor to B flat seven at the end of the phrase. Listen to it one time through and pay attention for that. Listen for when the chords move up a step and everything moves up with them. Here we go. <laughs> now that wasn't just a dramatic shift up a whole step, the song actually just changed keys. The entire rest of Cameo Lover is in E flat major, up a step from C sharp major where it was before. And sorry to folks who prefer that I pick sharps or flats, I just can't call the key of D sharp, D sharp. It's always going to be E flat to me, I guess, because I'm a saxophonist. So we are now in the key of E flat major. We spent the first half in C sharp and we've moved up a step. So now with the key moved up a step, Kimber moves into the first of four different chorus reprisals, this one taking the energy level way down. Every day's like talking in your sleep. Love feels like a silhouette in dreams. Open up your heart. Open, open. To get to this section, there's another screeching downshift as the horns and the rest of the band just crash land with this huge hit and fall. When every day's like talking in your sleep. Then Kimber restates the chorus lyrics, but she's singing totally differently. She's down the octave, her vocals are isolated, there's no backup vocals, at least at first. The piano and the electric guitar are playing much more openly through the chords. The drums are playing a super low-key version of that Ronettes groove. The whole thing feels wide open compared with where things were just a couple of seconds before. build in that second half works much the same way as it did before, though we're up a step now, so it goes from F minor, up to G minor, up to A flat, up to B flat. Kimber's backup vocals sneak in during this section in a really lovely way. She sings open, open, and the vocals creep in 
open. And they all kind of merge together in this beautiful way. Open, open, open. Right there, the drums play this chugga chugga dun 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 fill to set up a guitar dive bomb onto the crashing downbeat of the second, much more dramatic chorus reprisal. So this is a lot of dramatic emotional gear shifts coming one right after another. Each section is technically the chorus, but they're also very different from versions of the chorus that have come before. So Kimber's using familiar pieces, in this case the lyrics and general shape of the chorus, in new configurations and stitching them together to form a narrative, moving the energy level up, then way up, then way down, then back up, but at a slower tempo. The second reprisal of the chorus is the most outsized and epic. It's all built around this big, open pedal tone in the rhythm section. It's still the chorus, but it's different in some important ways. And if she's stuck with the way the chorus is played the first two times, that'd mean going back and forth between an A-flat major and an F minor. This version is different, though. It's built around these massive chords in the piano, bass, and guitar, and it just sits on A-flat for four bars before beginning the walk-up. That gives it a much more static feeling, like it's just powering on this one chord over and over again. That super-powered approach carries on through this reprisal's build-up, which then sets up her third reimagining of the chorus with a more driving beat, but a slightly lower overall energy level. Four-hit snare groove is back, it's nice and driving, but the vocals have a much lighter touch here than they did during the preceding section. Kimber's actually begun a long segue down to the outro here, they're still on that A-flat pedal, but when the chords begin that upward ascent on the second half of the chorus, she introduces a new melody here. She sings it along with the pizzicato strings. Bum, 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 Kind of a creative power move to introduce a new melodic idea this late in a song. It's a sign that a writer has so many hooks and ideas in their brain that they can just kind of throw a new one into the final quarter of a song without worrying that it might get buried. I always describe Kimber's music to people by saying that there's a lot of music in her music, and this little bonus melody at the end of Cameo Lover is kind of what I'm talking about when I say that. She's still introducing other ideas too. On the second chorus ascension here, she adds this great backup vocal part that goes in unison with that descending bass counter melody. I love that backup vocal part. Do you hear it? It's She's just matching that bass part, but she's singing it obviously up the octave and uh, with a whole bunch of overdubbed vocals. started with the key change on the bridge has, in the space of less than a minute, shifted through a whole musical narrative. Three new and different reprisals of the chorus, all setting up a final build-up that leads to a final transition into a final reprisal. At this point, the song is skating forward on its own momentum before gracefully leaping out into space.
What a way to end a song. What a killer culmination of so many ideas. It puts yet another new chord progression under the melody. This time it's going from A flat up a step to B flat, which gives things a sort of a floaty feel. The backup vocals that she established in the earlier section keep going, almost as if they're on a loop, since live she will often leave her loops going after the band drops out. And we're left with backup vocals singing that counter melody that was originally introduced by the bass, moving counter to the ascending chord progression, and then floating away into the ether. The final 90 seconds of Cameo Lover are wild. It moves through so many different grooves, energy levels, and tonal colors, getting more and then less intense, then exploding outward, then gradually tapering down to a gentle landing. The bridge and the subsequent four chorus reprisals make for such a fun musical narrative, but while I've isolated each one to explain how they work separately, the real experience is in hearing how they transition from one to the next to the next in the context of the song. So... Let's listen back to all of that from the bridge to the first down-tempo reprisal to the epic chorus or that echoing A-flat chord to the driving restatement of the chorus that introduces that new melody to the fourth and final restatement which gently concludes the song. There's a lot to listen for, but really just unfocus your ears and take in the broader narrative. Let the song carry you along. Here we go. Has changed, let's bring it down. When every day's like talking in your sleep, love feels like a silhouette and teens. Open up your heart, open, open, open. Now make it big. that new melody. (laughs) Finally, fly through to the end. A great song should tell a story. Not just a story with its lyrics, though that's important. A great song should also tell a story with music. That kind of musical storytelling is one of Kimber's greatest strengths as a songwriter and as a producer. She knows how to establish ideas, develop them, move past them, and then return to them in ways that carry the listener along, just like a great book carries along a reader. Cameo Lover tells just that kind of story. It moves from its bouncing introductory grooves. This is nonstop, baby, you got me going crazy, you're heavier than I'm To 60s-inspired breakdowns. Every day's like Commanding snare drum driven group sings. To a key change on the bridge that'd make Donna Summer proud. To 
intimate piano bar confessions. Every day's like talking in your sleep. Love feels like silhouette and To rousing arena rock reverberation. an ensemble groove that moves like a skipping stone, new and old melodies mixing together, carrying over into an unexpectedly soothing finale. These past couple of weeks I've been looking for a musical story to match with the complicated way that I've been feeling, and for me, Cameo Lover has been just the tale that I wanted to be told. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling more than ready to open up my heart, and when I do, I'm glad I've got songs like this one to help me pull myself out. That'll do it for my analysis of Cameo Lover by Kimbra. I had a great time making this episode. I really have been looking forward to doing a Kimbra episode since I started making this show. I hope that if you haven't checked out her music, that you'll go listen to some of it after you finish listening to this. Thanks so much to all of you for checking out the show, and a huge thank you to everyone who's been spreading the word about Strong Songs. The audience continues to grow here in year three, slowly but steadily, and that is entirely thanks to all of you. Thanks also to all of my patrons who joined up over on Patreon. You can find the names of whole and half-note patrons in the show notes. You all rule, but really every patron of Strong Songs rules because you're making it possible for me to make this show. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash strong songs. And hey, being a patron will get you access to some fun behind-the-scenes stuff, as well as the new Strong Songs Discord, where you can chat with other listeners, join our weekly listening club, and probably some other fun stuff that we haven't come up with yet. Social links, Twitter, Instagram, newsletter are down in the show notes, along with links to the Strong Songs store, which I hear is the number one place on the internet to buy a Thump Pop Sizzle coffee mug. I drink coffee out of one every morning, and my drumming has definitely gotten better since I started. I'm kidding, it's just a coffee mug, please don't sue me. This episode's outro soloist is the one and only Dan Nerver on the guitar, so stick around for Dan, and I'll be back in two weeks with yet another Strong Song. <laughs>